This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Saturday morning edition of the podcast. We're part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. And just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners tuning in today. This isn't a Homer podcast. We call it like we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we'll celebrate that. When they're getting destroyed, we'll be very critical of them and at times savagely blunt. If you're easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am your host today, Andrew Duong, coming from uh, Denver, Colorado, sunny Denver, 80 degrees, only thing keeping my mood sane while the Red Sox struggle. Um Joining me in South Carolina is Terry. Terry, how's it going? Good. Good. You know, healthy. We got great weather, too. I think it was in the 80s today. We're probably getting more humidity than you are. Oh, yeah. We're 0%. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's good. I'm not complaining, though. I'm more of a heat person than a cold person. Jason is about to uh, steadfastly disagree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I am more of a cold weather person, but up here in Massachusetts, we've actually had some really nice weather this week. So the weather's been great. The Red Sox haven't, but yeah, <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Well, if you guys tuned in last episode, that was brought to you by uh, alcohol. This one is going to be sponsored by John Deere because we're just talking farms. Um, the one bright spot of the Red Sox right now is their farm system. And a couple guys that I think a lot of people are going to be familiar with are Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas. And both are doing quite well. Duran is hitting above 370 at this point. Um, And we all know that there is a gaping hole in this Red Sox lineup, um, especially in the outfield. So I think we're starting to hear some clamoring from the fans, uh, maybe from within the team. What are you guys thinking? Is is now the time for Jaron Duran? What do we think? Are we gonna are we gonna bring him up? Are we gonna do we have other plans for him? Do we want to see him develop more? Terry, why don't you lead this one off? Well, I want something to happen. I don't mind him replacing Jackie Bradley Jr. And I know that it's not a perfect fit. Alex Cora steadfastly wants to keep Alex Verdugo in left field. Probably Kike in center. Kike could probably play any spot out there, really. And would you put Duran in right? He's not great defensively. I don't know how his arm stacks up but you need a you need a big arm for for right field at Fenway so there might have to be some reshuffling I think they have to do something though 
I don't think I don't think they can stubbornly just ride Jackie Bradley Jr. for the rest of the year and do nothing. Bradley's coming off a great series, which we covered in the last episode, but he's going to go back into his slumps, probably finish the year below 200. He's going to be stranding base runners left and right. I think you need to make something happen, and you're going to have to make decisions that you're probably not super comfortable with, but I'm totally good with a call-up. Let me say this, though, and... uh, I'll kind of throw it out as a question as well. If Duran does get called up, is that the end of Bradley? I mean, do you keep him and, and Bradley on the roster? I mean, you still need a Royo for now. You you got to carry your second catcher. I just don't know how they fit. I I think that's going to be a, a big decision if, if it happens. Well, let me throw this back. I think Jackie becomes immensely important because I'm not having Jaron Duran out there with uh, a one run lead in it or a tie game in the late innings. I don't trust his defense uh, going back to his arm. It's about a 40 to 45. So we're looking at like late stage, Johnny Damon. Okay. <laughs> so, it wasn't good. Yeah. He has a second baseman's arm and that's what he was Uh you know, what was it, Cal State or Long Beach State, and what he got drafted as. Uh, I actually think Arroyo becomes ex- expendable because now Kike in the late innings can move to second. Um, if you, you know, if you want to keep Duran in there or if you want to move some bodies around, the one guy I do think it impacts the most is Alex Verdugo because I think he becomes a right fielder and then we get into the weird tear aspect of things. I don't know. I think they will have to do some reshuffling. Jason, uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so generally I'm a fan of let prospects develop, you know, down in AAA, AA, and don't rush them to the majors. Jaron Duran's 25 years old. Like it, he's, he's kind of at that point where it's like, okay, dude, you're either a major league ball player or you're not. And the defense is a major concern with him. Like you mentioned, the arm strength is uh, glaring that it's that bad. He would have to play left field. You cannot put him in right field. Um, and I do worry about Verdugo potentially having to move to right as a result of that. Um, but offensively he's producing. And what's the biggest problem with this offense, with this Red Sox club right now? It's the offense. They're they're just they're not hitting. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to take you know one one or two good weeks from Jackie Bradley and bank on that for the rest of the season. We all know what he is. Jackie Bradley at this point in his career is a fourth outfielder. He is a late inning defensive replacement. So like Andrew said, if you call up Duran and you have him take his spot, um, I don't think Jackie Bradley becomes expendable because. The contract is just, you can't move that. Like, that's too much money. You can't move it. Um, But he does become valuable as a late-inning defensive replacement. You know, if you're in a tight game and, you know, it's 5-3 to and hopefully Garrett Whitlock is closing you out, then Jackie Bradley Jr. is the perfect guy to put in that outfield. You know, put him in place of Duran and, you know, he'll he'll make some good plays. So I'm in favor of calling up Duran only because – if he's hitting well right now, strike while the iron is hot. This team needs offense in the worst way. So call him up, 
let's see what he can do. Because again, he's 25. Like, how much longer do you want him to sit in the minors before you figure out if he's worth it? So absolutely, I'm in favor of it. One other thing, though, and it, it complicates it with, with Bradley, is three out of your four outfielders will be lefties at that point if you decide to keep Bradley. And we're going to talk about another prospect in a minute who's a lefty. Devers is a lefty. You're just you're just saddled down with lefties. So that's another reason I just don't think there's any room for Bradley. I mean, how's Ref Snyder as a as a defensive guy? Because, I mean, he's currently with the team, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's a righty, isn't he? Yeah, Ref Snyder's a, uh, a right-hand hitter. Yeah. He's average defensively. He's not bad, but he's more. He, I think he's better suited as like a infielder than he is an outfielder. I don't know about his arm strength. I, I assume it's decent. It's probably better than Durant's, if anything else. Um, Ref Snyder's a good utility guy, like can play all over the place, and I do like that he's a right-handed bat. So um, there is that aspect to it, but I agree. You know, like the one issue with bringing up Durant all of a sudden – you've got a lot of left-handed bats in that lineup and uh, that, that may not bode well for you. But the, the hilarious thing is, is instantly he could be your top performing outfielder <laughs> in a, in a short span. I mean, everyone else has just been dismal. So we'll see. Is there Andrew, let me ask you this. Is there any chance that like they look at Duran as a center fielder? I mean, They've had weak throwing center fielders in the past, Johnny Damon and Jacoby Ellsbury, and it didn't really burn them that much. Fenway center field is, it's more of a range position than it is an arm strength position. So is that potentially somewhere they might put them? The range is fine. It's the routes he's taking to get to the balls are just, he looks like he's driving around a neighborhood he's never been in before and he's just getting lost and he'll eventually get there, but it's, so indirect he's i don't know how he's looked lately with his roots but even in spring training just looking at the tracking of those it wasn't acceptable and with the triangle he could run into some issues he'd have to be playing an easier center field that's just you know one of those generic ballpark shapes that you can't really screw up i don't know i i he would they probably put him there before they put him in right i think i Right field would, I think, we'd see it inside the park home run or two. Oof. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and, and maybe that's unfair to him because um, he does work at his craft. It's you know he's a converted second baseman. Not everyone's gonna be Mookie Betts, but that is kind of where we're at right now. Where <laughs> the two guys closest to the you know making an impact on this major league roster are left-handed, as Terry said, and you know one position only guys. We're not talking about a shortstop prospect. They're like, all right, well, he can go second, short, left, third, whatever. But on that note, we're going to bring up uh, the next guy on the list and arguably the number one prospect in the system. And that's Tristan Cassis, who went through a little bit of a mini slump there for a minute. Um, But he's back to figuring things out. His defense has been great. um, And, like the outfield, first base has been quite the uh, black hole so far. So, Terry, let me get, let me hear your thoughts on Tristan Cassis and your outlook for him. Calling him up couldn't come soon enough to me. Uh, you've got nothing at first base right now. 
Bobby Dahlbeck, I think, is hitting 141 last I checked. Just an absolute mess. Dahlbeck striking out 33% of the time, exactly 33% of the time. And maybe it's a tad early, but we're not going to, we're probably not going to make any impact trades in the month of May or, or even the month of June. So I, I think the solutions are internal and maybe bringing up a Duran and a Casas will, will give the team a new energy that it hasn't had in a while. Worst case, he gets sent back down, but all the all the things I hear in, in the reports and commentary is that Casas is always a guy who's going to figure it out. So I don't think if we have to send him back down, it's going to totally destroy his confidence and be a major setback to him. It'll it'll be a blip, and that's it. So I'd I'd love to see it. I I'd love to see it next week if. If it can happen, we're, we're eight and a half games behind. We're four or five games under 500. You got to do something. And and it's an internal solution. So let's do it. I, I am against it. I'm against calling up Tristan Casas. And I know that um, it, you know, it might lead to a lot more of Bobby Dahlbeck at first base, which is not fun to watch it's going to lead to a lot more Franchi Cordero at first base, which is also not fun to watch. Um, I actually think the solution here is external, not internal. I think there are first basemen out there that you can get at a relatively low price. Like, call up the Marlins and ask them about Garrett Cooper. Or call up the Padres, ask, ask about Will Myers. Um, th- there are guys out there. Like, I-, I don't think you need to rush Tristan Cassis up to the majors and put the entire weight of our offense is struggling, please save us on his shoulders. I don't think that's fair to him. I don't like the practice of rushing prospects up to the majors because your team has a need. You should only bring prospects up as like a luxury, you know, like, okay, this guy's primed and ready and the rest of the team around him is good. So, you know, if he has a bad month, no one's going to be writing in the papers about him. Like, that kind of stuff like that, you can get away with that in Cincinnati, in Pittsburgh, in these lower, you know, smaller market teams. With the Red Sox, Tristan Casas isn't going to be able to hide if he has a bad month the minute he comes up here. It's going to be doom and gloom. Shaughnessy is going to call him a draft bust. And it's, you know, like, I'm sure that he can take it, but I don't want to put that on his shoulders. So I would much rather the Red Sox explore external options. Again, you know, go after a Garrett Cooper or a Will Myers or someone like that, you know, or call up Arizona about Christian Walker, someone like that. Look, it's not the perfect solution. That player's not going to become, you know, the Jason Bay effect that you got when he came here. But if it's anything better than Bobby Dahlbeck and you get him for cheap, I would much rather do that and let Tristan Casas just develop into a real monster and bring him up next year. So here's my take on it. I let Casas stay down one more month. 
I let him prove that there's nothing else he can do. There's no more developing. It's not a challenge anymore. I want him to look bored, quite frankly. With Duran, I actually meant to bring this up. I think he can be part of the solution. And I think that he's part of the solution in the manner of he's not in Boston. I think right now, with how he's hitting, he is part of a deal. I would like to see him moved, uh, quite frankly. I don't know where. Um, I think that the A's could fit in there with a trade package. I think the Pirates could fit well with the trade package. I think you can get a reliever. I think you sell as high as you possibly can. You know, if they thought that he was going to be in the plans, quite frankly, I think he'd be up by now. I think we would have seen him given a shot in spring training. I think they saw what they need to see out of him defensively last year. Where they're like, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be an absolute mess. So I don't know what it's going to take. I see what Cincinnati can give you. I think he's got a, I think he's a valuable piece. Baseball America just updated the rankings and he's still at 84. So that means that there are people within the industry within the league that still think highly of that skill set. Cause if he's got 60 power and 70 speed, someone's going to be willing to give you an asset for four plus years of that. So Duran is a guy that I, I like, and I would like him to be put to work by getting you an arm. So that's my take on there. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about shipping him out. I don't know if how attached you are to him, but that is kind of where my mindset is right now. I would certainly also be open to trading for him. We were kind of discussing that earlier uh, before we came on, but I think I'd still rather target an outfielder over an arm at this point. I still think with the bullpen, there's some combination that will work. Uh, Brian Mata, maybe you're more up to speed on him, but I mean, there's been talk that he could come up in the second half and, and really help out. Um, you're you're going to have a surplus of arms when sale and um, Paxton come back, you know, you're going to, some guys that are in the rotation are probably going to find their way in the bullpen, which is crazy. Cause I yeah. mean, outside of Pavetta, they've all been pitching very well. So um, I'd rather target a controllable outfielder because that's where our weakness is uh, organizationally. We just have nobody. So if you can get someone that's got at least three years of control that, you know, will hit 260, 270 with some decent pop, we could desperately use that. I mean, if you had that right now in right field and first base, you know, a 250, 260, 270 guy, how many more wins do we have right now? We're probably much closer to 500 than we currently are. So... I, in the case of Duran, rather target a position player, uh, specifically the outfield. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I'm good with trading Duran, um, especially if he is valued pretty high right now. I'm always, you know, sell high if you can. Um, the one part I disagree is I'd rather target first base. I think the outfield will recover. I, I think Verdugo is going to turn it around. He'll hit. I think Kike will turn it around. He'll hit. Jackie Bradley... He's not going to hit, but at least he gives you defense. And if the lineup produces the way it's supposed to, that's not that big of a deal. If, if Jackie Bradley's only hitting 
you know, 185 to 200, but he's giving you great defense in right field. Um, I would rather use Duran in a trade package for our first baseman because look at what Anthony Rizzo has done for the Yankees. Like any big time, you know, any big time franchise that wants to compete, first base is a premium position. And right now our first baseman is a joke. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck, like I'm not convinced he's going to hit again. As much as I believe in Verdugo and Kike, I don't believe in Bobby Dahlbeck. So I would rather use Duran in a trade package for a first baseman because I think that's actually the weakest part on the diamond for the Red Sox right now. So let's actually get a little deeper into that. Um, I kind of like where this is going. (sighs) Obviously, there are two very, very different directions this team could go. They're kind of at a fork in the road if they middle out like this for the next three to four weeks. Would you want to see them make a desperation trade to go all in, to get maybe an expiring veteran or maybe a guy with a year or two left to control um, and tap into that kind of wealth of prospects that Bloom and Co. have built up um, the last couple of years? Or would you rather go the opposite and say, you know, J.D., we can get a top 15 guy for you, organizational prospect. Xander, we can sell you off to some desperate squad that wants to get that fifth spot, that third, that second wild card spot. <sighs> Obviously, the, those are two completely different paths. Both are going to be – well, one's going to be more popular than the other, but they're – they were, would require significant investments, uh, t- both time-wise and asset-wise. Terry, wh- where would you rather go? Would you rather have a top-five team in the AL, potentially, or a top-five farm system? That's a hard question. Um, like you said, I mean, we have a lot of short-term guys we can sell off. I, I don't think any of them are going to, well, perhaps Bogarts could command a, a blockbuster trade, but there's complications with that because he has 10, five rights and you got to get him to agree with that. And Boris would probably prefer Hill go to a team with an extension already in place. John Heyman just uh, several minutes ago tweeted out that uh, Trey Turner is in that, uh, you know, middle infield class next year. I forgot all about him. I, I was thinking it was going to be the Bogarts Correa show. And of all of the, the big name guys this winter, only one really got paid. And that was Corey Seager, which was a ridiculous one. So, so I think Boris with Bogarts is going to want an extension in place. And I, there's just a lot of hurdles for that, but he could command a, uh, a huge return, uh, you know, JD and, and Kike, perhaps maybe a, a decent prospect, you know, since those guys are, are short term, but, um, I'm certainly against, uh, trading our big chip guys away, I, unless it's a, a Kyle Schwarber type trade, a one for one that that's the most I'm willing to do. Uh, yeah, that those are the kind of trades I'm talking about here. Like we saw um, the White Sox do last year where they got rid of Nick Madrigal or, you know, like one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, we really just got rid of our second best prospect for six months or a year and six months of a guy. Yeah, I, I don't. I, 
it just pains me that we're we might be sellers. <laughs> you know, I just that's just absolutely insane to me. Um, and, and we're over the the competitive balance tax by a couple million at the moment. Um, but I I don't want to weaken the farm system at all. Really, I, I don't want to be dealing top five or ten guys under any circumstances. Yeah, I would I would prefer to have the farm system. Um, and I agree with Terry. It pains it pains me to to see the Red Sox become sellers this year if it does come down to that. But if it does, I'm okay with it on two conditions. One, if you're going to sell guys like JD and potentially Bogarts, it has to come with a Raphael Devers extension this offseason. If you do not extend Rafael Devers and you trade away all these big pieces, then it's just, it, you're, you're not building around anything. Like he should be your cornerstone piece. Now, if Bogarts is gone, like, okay, I, I don't think he should be that annoys me, but Trevor Story's here so he can take his place. Rafael Devers has to be signed to a contract extension. If you're going to be sellers, that has to be part of it. And secondly, I agree. It has to be like a one-for-one one thing because if teams are willing to give up guys like Nick Madrigal for Craig Kimbrell, it has to be deals like that. Like I don't want I don't want them trading Xander Bogarts for some guy in high A who is having a good couple of months and is like the number sixteen prospect in a system. Like no no no, I want a blue chip guy who's either close to or is already major league ready. That's what it has to be because if they're just going to sell Xander Bogarts for like the equivalent of the Mookie Betts deal, like, and Verdugo is a major league ready player. So maybe that's not the perfect example, but like if you're going to get back a Connor Wong or, and a Jeter downs for someone like Xander Bogarts, that's not good enough. That's not nearly good enough. So it's got to be more closer to that one for one deal. Like you guys are talking about. So ultimately if they're going to keep floundering like this, that's what I want them to do. But again, I want the Devers extension ready to go. And I want prospects coming back that are either close to or already major league ready, because otherwise I don't want them doing it. Yeah. Gun to my head. If I could only pick one route and the route a of selling or buying uh, talent and selling prospects didn't guarantee me a top four seed. And it was just like, you know what, this is a Hail Mary. We're going to trade this guy. And if we, we might make the playoffs, I'm going the other route. Uh, I would sell before I uh, absolutely um, gutted the farm. I know everyone's like, you know, out there, you know, what, what good is a farm system? Like, what do you win with a good farm system? Yeah, actually, it goes a lot deeper than that. All the good farm systems, all the top ones in the last about decade or so, pretty much have turned around and won a World Series this decade. The Astros, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Red Sox, uh, the Royals, the Cardinals, all had top-ranked farm systems. And we saw World Series wins out of all these. Elk Spear was on the radio or on the broadcast on um, Thursday and actually brought up about how it's not about finding the pitchers. It's about developing the uh, pitching prospects nowadays. And 
if we can land a prospect, a pitching prospect at this point, I think they need to do it. They haven't really developed any. They got did an amazing job identifying Whitlock. And that is going to go down as a top five rule five pick of all time. If he continues on this career trajectory, Tanner Houck ups and downs right now, but um, I'd say he's working out pretty well. Other than that, we've got nothing over the last decade since Clay Buckles as a starter um, that we've developed. So I would rather see them maybe move off of Xander with, you know, what Jason said, it comes with his uh, Raphael Devers extension. So I, I'm not trading Nick York. I'm not trading Tristan Cassis at just a wish and a prayer. Um, if we hadn't won a World Series in the last 10 years, maybe I'd feel different. But I am not changing the route that they seem to have gone with um, since Bloom came on just at a shot at making the wild card game. I, I don't know. Let me let me ask this though. Hein Bloom was hired in 2019 and it's 2022 right now. How I mean, how does would ownership feel if Bloom went up to him and said, "I think we got to be sellers." I mean, eventually they want to start winning championships again and 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 be a contender. So I'm just wondering, I, I know neither one are on the hot seat. I'm not saying, you know, one, him or Cora could be fired at the end of the year, but they have to be feeling some degree of pressure right now, given yeah. the current circumstances. Oh, I, I think they absolutely are. And uh, like, I think back to what the Yankees did in 2016. I mean, that's a franchise that's always expected to win. And Brian Cashman, that was the year that he got like Labor Torres and he got a bunch of other prospects. Now, look, it ultimately six years later, did it really work out for them? Kind of not really, because Labor Torres is fighting for a spot on the roster and, um, you know, they still haven't won since then and all this other stuff. But I, I think sometimes you just have to you have to bite the bullet and do it. it you know, if if you're in that like you like Andrew said, if you're in a crossroads right now. And it's either, you know, sell and beef up that farm system and maybe don't compete this year, or it's sell off your farm, buy a couple of guys and maybe get a wild card. Maybe, you know, you're, you're a game behind Toronto for the division and you're, you're in a tough playoff race. Like I think ultimately I I'd rather sell. And I think that Red Sox ownership should feel the same way because I would rather have one sort of down year than, you know, go all in, buy a bunch of talent that doesn't work out, and then all of a sudden you're back to square one like you were when Dabrowski left. And you've got a bad, badly ranked farm system and you're years away from competing because, you know, Bogarts will leave and JD will leave and who knows what happens with Devers. So I, I just think even if you're feeling the pressure – there, there is a sort of like, there's a long-term view there and it's not too long-term. It's not five to 10 years. It's, you can turn around in two to three years if you make the right trades and you get the right young guys in here. So it's not like you're asking ownership or the fan base to wait in eternity. All you're saying is, look, this year's not going to happen. That's okay. Toronto's a wagon. The Dodgers are still a wagon. You know, Atlanta's still there, whatever. So let's sell this year, 
let you know maybe we don't compete whatever but next year or even the year after we're going to be right there and we'll have devers under contract we'll have you know a good one of the best farm systems we'll call up cassis and all these other guys and we'll be right there i think ownership would take that yeah i think that's a great take that's exactly how i feel i think if he if he walked up to the upper office and was like listen guys I'm I'm moving some of these uh, faces of the franchise, but here's the three-year plan. I, I think that's how he'd approach it. Um, I don't think he would just go in willy-nilly. I think he would target guys. Um, it would be very calculated. They wouldn't just take back player X, Y, and Z. I think they would be their guys. And honestly, who the players the players they've targeted have actually done pretty well um, from a talent development uh, standpoint in the minors. They've really knocked it out of the park with the drafts the last couple of years. So I actually have a lot of faith if they do go that route. <sighs> Time will tell. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a big six weeks here because the trade deadline's a little later this year. It, it, I think a lot later this year. So, they, they've got time to figure it out. They got packs and sale coming back. Things will start to clear up a little bit and they do have some veterans they can sell off easily in that pitching staff. I just feel like Alex Cora just seems a little bit more stressed lately as well. So I just feel like organizationally there, there's a bit of pressure right now. And I mean, if we're 15 games under, obviously they're going to do what they have to do in July or is it August 15th this year? Is that what you meant by a lot later? I couldn't remember what the, the deadline was. Let me look that up. I, I just know I I feel like it's moved back every year lately. Okay, I heard August fifteenth be talked about, but I don't know if it ever came to fruition. I'm I'm looking it up. Too. August, I think I'm yeah. This, uh, August second, I yeah. think I'm seeing. Oh, okay, August that's, a, that's yeah, probably yeah. a Monday, and that is why or something <laughs> like that. It's just crazy that just to hear like August for a trade deadline. Yeah. Because you know you, you you're feeling like you're not getting, you know, your full money's worth of a rental at that point. So I don't know if that's going to affect how teams feel if you know you're trading for literally like fifty games of Xander Bogarts. I, I don't know. Maybe you'll have to trade a little bit earlier to get that full value. August second is actually a Tuesday, so. But for some reason, that's what they wanted. No one's ever bla- or accused the Major League Baseball of making too much sense, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is certainly true, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we found a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, I'm Andrew Dwan for Terry Cushman. Follow him at Cushman MLB and Jason at Color of the Iris. Uh, if you guys like the episode, give us a follow, a like, a review. We'd really appreciate it. It really helps the pod. And uh, take care and go Red Sox.